Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Ken Ball and Gina Gatso, co-authors of Surviving the Baby Boomer Exodus, Part 1 of 2. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Ken Ball and Gina Gatso, co-authors of Surviving the Baby Boomer Exodus, part one of two. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Ken Ball and Gina Gottsil share with us their insights on effectively capturing, retaining, and transferring the knowledge of departing workers, thereby enabling those who remain to continue to use this hard-won information to the benefit of the organization. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Ken Ball and Gina Gottsil, co-authors of Surviving the Baby Boomer Exodus, Capturing Knowledge for Gen X and Y Employees. Ken is a baby boomer who has been tracking issues related to aging in the workplace for several years. At TechPros, he drives business development for the consulting firm that specializes in knowledge and content management, training, and documentation for major U.S. clients. Gina is a Gen X writer and fellow of the Pointer Institute, a journalism think tank based in St. Petersburg, Florida. Gina has covered a wide range of business topics that include keeping boomer skills in the workplace, teaching finance to non-finance professionals, and growth and change in urban and suburban business districts. Ken and Gina, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Thank you. Very nice to be with you, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. I am thrilled to have you both on the show. The baby boomer exodus is an issue that I work with with my clients and with past employers uh, have had to deal with from my position that I used to hold of managing the strategic resource planning for our organization. And so it was very critical to that labor force. And the one I'm referring to in this case is the one that is made up of the U.S. electric generation utilities which I'm, I'm sure we'll probably touch on a little later on in our conversation. And so I know how important it is to so many of our listeners out there, and I'm really happy that you'll join me and, and share your insights with them. Well, well, thank you, Nathan. And it was uh, when we proposed doing the book to our publisher in the East Coast, mm-hmm. as we kind of peeled back the onion, it became increasingly of, of interest to, to the publisher um, the, the, certainly the media has portrayed the fact that there are a lot of boomers in the workplace, 
and that a lot of boomers could be leaving the workplace. And as we talked about the fact that they could leave with knowledge, suddenly it did uh, to them and, and perhaps to you and hopefully to your audience uh, was was uh, an interesting mix of, of uh, circumstances coming together at this point in history. Oh, yeah, I, I certainly think it is. And now... Ken and Gina, to start out our conversation and establish a foundation for our listeners, really, we're going to be focusing on three of the four generations in the workforce, those being the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, and the Gen Ys, or some people refer to them as the millennials. I was wondering if you might describe for us the defining characteristics of each of those three generational groups. Sure, Nathan. Uh, I'll take a start with with the baby boomers because I are one. Okay. Um, boomers were born between 1946 and 1964, so they're basically they're they're 46 to 64 years old, and there are 76 million boomers, which as an age group in in that grouping mm-hmm. is unprecedented, at, at least. Uh, in in the 21st and even in the 20, 20th century that we know of. So it's a very, very large group of people, which is part of what the problem is. And boomers are, uh, of course, the children that came out of the post-World War II era. And some of the hallmarks of boomers are that they tend to be self-assured, they, they tend to be optimistic, they have got a... a get-ahead attitude, Mm -hmm. they tend to be challengers of the status quo, and we really saw that in the late 60s. Sure. They they tend to have a a, a very strong work ethic. They're poor savers, which means that a lot of them may stay in the workplace, And, and they tend to be people that like to huddle up and talk. And, and I think it's, it's important also to add, and we'll do that for each of the three generations here, the, the learning preferences, because the learning preference differences need to be accounted for if you're going to put together a knowledge retention program. And certainly some of the learning preferences of, of boomers are that they, they tend to prefer a, a more highly structured learning environment, certainly than the two generations that follow. They, they tend to like hands-on learning with expert feedback that kind of provides a context for what they're learning. Mm-hmm. And they, they tend to like demonstrations, again, by experts that provide a, a visceral and a visual kind of a guidance. Okay. Gina can pick up the Gen X. <laughs> Yes, I'm happy to talk about Gen X. I am a member of the Gen X generation. I want to quickly share something that a friend of mine sent me recently. She's 44. She sent me an email quiz. and The subject line was something like, which generation do you identify with? And so we we both took the quiz. And when we talked about it later, she, she said to me, Gina, it's official. I identify with Gen X. It must be the tattoo. And so one of the things that Ken and I talk about in the book is that when we talk about generations, we're always talking generally. We're all individuals. You know, certainly many Gen Xers have tattoos, but we don't all have tattoos. It's it's a generalization. Sure. And I feel like it's important to 
to mention that at the beginning uh, when we start talking about uh, Gen X and Gen Y and boomers. Uh, but that said, that Gen X is born between 1965 and 1979, and there is some debate about the date range and the age range. But uh, generally speaking, our parents are slash were boomers and matures, the, which is the generation before the boomers. Mm-hmm. And this, the, both of these generations tended to focus, especially the boomers, tended to focus a lot on career and work. So many of us Gen Xers were latchkey kids, and a lot of experts that we spoke to when we were writing about this generation said that from because of this, because we were sort of left to our own devices a lot, we um, developed this sort of fend-for-yourself attitude. We tend to be very task-driven and very independent. We tend to want to get in and get the job done and, and move on to the next project. We were also the first generation to use technology for fun. You know, we had Atari and we played video games. Although, you know, many of us, including myself, my my brother, we had to walk to the drugstore and put a quarter in the machine when we wanted to play something. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't all, you know, in our living room and, and you know, in our backpacks as, as it is now. But technology became a part of our life from a, a very early age, and many of us embraced it as a tool for learning. We were using computers in the classroom from a really young age, so it just became part of the way we learn. Additionally, uh, we found research that said, and, and I can certainly attest to this, that many of us learn by doing. We we certainly aren't the ones that want to slog through a manual. You know, we don't want to read cover to cover descriptions of how to do something. We definitely want to get in and do the work and learn from our successes and the mistakes we make. That's a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. And with that, I will let Ken talk about Gen Y. He has two Gen Y daughters. Ah, okay. So. Gen Ys, or millennials, uh, or sometimes called echo boomers, have really taken what Gina was talking about with Xs of learning by doing even further. And, and I think that's primarily because they came out of learning by getting in and on, on the computer and playing games and learning by doing on the computer. So. Millennials are the, the, the classic digital natives that we've been hearing about and such that technology for the Gen Y is, is a, a total way of life. And they're used to getting information now, getting it when they want it, and they, they tend to be multitaskers. And, and those are pretty distinctly different from, certainly from, from boomers and even to a good extent the X's. They, Perhaps like boomers, they, they tend to like companies that have a strong mission and focus So they because they have a high social awareness. Mm-hmm. And they certainly are a cohort that tends to like and want and need frequent feedback. Certainly one of the hallmarks of, of wise is that they tend to be impatient. And, and I think with, with some sense of, of humor, what we tend to find with, with millennials in the workplace is that they're not so interested in paying their dues. They're they're at a company for six months, and darn it, they want to know why they're not vice president. 
uh, for six months. So, so there, there's a little sense of entitlement that uh, that goes along with being the impatient millennial. In terms of their learning per- preference, like Gina with with X's, they learn best by doing. So again, no manuals for them. They're really trial and error learners, and I think this came out of the fact that they were. They were gamers on the computer, and they, they learned by trial and error playing computer games. And they're very, very comfortable learning and doing research on their own. And so they, they tend to like on-demand learning opportunities rather than maybe more inflexible schedule kind of opportunities. So one of the things that, that we've told folks in, in the, the workshops that Gina and I have done is, boomers, don't tell any stories. Just get to the point. That's what millennials want. And uh, those are uh, some of the hallmarks of, of the millennials, as much as we treasure them. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Well, now, I should probably mention that I'm a Gen Xer myself. Oh, okay. So, since we've announced what Ken, you, and, and Gina were, I, I know, probably should say that, just to be fair. That's only fair. That, that's, that's really right. fair. So, Gina, I really related to everything you said about the Gen Xers. Oh, thank you. Well, it's nice to meet a fellow Gen Xer. Yes. And uh, I, I did enjoy those video games at the arcade, too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait so many quarters, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Those are the yeah. good old days. Oh, yeah. Well, now, I think it goes without saying that when an employee leaves an organization, regardless of the circumstances, that they do take with them valuable knowledge that the organization's leadership team would really like to have available on an ongoing basis for those employees that, of course, remain behind. Why, then, is the retirement of the baby boomers of particular concern when it comes to organizational knowledge retention? Well, I think the retirement of the baby boomers can be troubling because many of these individuals have been in their jobs for decades. Mm -hmm. They have, some of them have, of course, founded organizations or they've worked in organizations for many years. They've learned from experience and they know a lot. And uh, in many companies, the baby boomers' knowledge and skills is what keeps their companies moving and producing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can use a very personal example. Our uh, Ken and I work for a company called TechPros in Walnut Creek, California, and the founder of TechPros, her name is Meryl Natchez, she founded our company in, in 1982, and when she founded it, it was a one-person enterprise. Okay. And today, there are close to 100 people on payroll at TechPros. And uh, Meryl, you know, started it from the ground up. And as she developed her business, she became a thought leader in IT. She witnessed incredible changes and growth with not just the technologies that were available, but companies. You know, she really has seen the industry go from boom to bust and then, you know, back up and down, and she's seen it all. So when several years ago she announced that she was planning to retire in a few years, I remember the the meeting we had where this was sort of put on the table as, okay, this is going to really happen. And I remember 
feeling very nervous about that because she was so important to the organization and someone that at that stage I had just really started just maybe several months earlier. At that stage, I was very dependent on her and looked to her all the time. So I think we were all nervous, and we knew that we had to mobilize and come up with a plan to hang on to what she knew or at least capture um, major the major areas where we knew we would be coming back to again and again. Sure. So uh, during our research, when Ken and I were out there uh, working on the book, we also heard stories of um, from other organizations that also faced losing longtime, very skilled workers, and were were also nervous about it, and and just really needed to come together and mobilize. So really, the the it's it's troubling because these folks know so much. It, it's not the end of the world if you can come up with a way to hang on to what they know before they leave. That's the key. Sure. Because as you said, the entire corporate history mm-hmm. is with these very few people. Yeah, and even if even if the company runs, obviously there's other people who are doing jobs and getting the job done, but mm-hmm. there are some there's some very deep knowledge there with some of these boomers that the rest of us may not know or we just, you know, may not know as well or as intimately. Sure. That is a concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been there, so they've got a feel for what all the different people do, and and they can provide that knowledge that really cements the whole organization together. Absolutely. In my line of work, too, what I have experienced, for instance, working in utilities, on paper – there's a design specification for, let's just say, a pump. And a pump uh-huh. turns so fast and it uses so much power. Mm-hmm. But when you run a pump, every pump sounds differently. When you touch the pump casing, it vibrates and it feels a little different, even if it's the same make and model of pump. And it's only those folks that have been there and have been with the piece of equipment over time that really have that innate knowledge of this particular machine. Mm-hmm. And you know, they walk into a room and they'll just tell you, oh, it, it's broken, it's going to fail. Yep. And someone looking at a tech manual goes, well, it's running just fine. And I said, no, it's, it, it sounds funny. And it's, it's that knowledge that when it goes, now the pumps probably is going to fail before you figure it out. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's such a key point, Nathan. Uh, it, it's something that that we learn more about in doing the research for the book. That that is an example of what's often referred to as tacit knowledge, mm-hmm. which can be that that intuitive kind of stuff, that that just that know-how, that uh, often not even conscious kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very very deliberate to try to get the knower to to talk about it if it's at all possible and yet it's very very key and instrumental in in many many jobs and many industries that uh, are uh, uh, you know operating on a, on a critical operational efficiency certainly sure sure now we've talked or I, I should say I've mentioned the utility industry several times I think we think of some industries maybe the high-tech industries as 
demographically speaking, being a, quote, younger industry. Are there any industries in particular that you see as having the potential of being hit harder by the baby boomer exodus than others? There, there seem to be a few, Nathan, and and those are, in, including what you've already described, uh, the utilities industry, generally the energy industry, which comprises oil and gas, okay. manufacturing, American manufacturing, education, all levels of government, federal, state, municipal. Those are the, the, the primary four or five. And, and there are some shared characteristics there, but they tend to have worker populations that definitely trend older. The industry you speak of, utilities, has, by some count, an average age that is approaching 47, 40 year, 48 years old, which is is really uh, sort of old as, as an industry, and, and it creates some concern. Uh, there, I think, are also some examples of some of these industries, energy, oil, gas, utilities, where there just isn't enough inflow of new talent coming into the organization. Uh, in fact, what, what we found out was that the number of graduates in what's referred to as STEM, and that is scientific, technical engineering, and math, has been trending down in few in the last few years, and even the number of graduates from apprentice programs has been trending down. So th there are some some uh, troubling statistics on the horizon, especially for a couple of those industries that tend to be older. Okay. Well, now, Kenneth Gina, understanding that there really is this very real, very present knowledge retention risk that some companies and, and industries are, are facing, what would you enumerate as the benefits of implementing a knowledge retention program? And I'm also wondering if there's any other ancillary or side benefits that an organization might incur by having such a program. Well, I think that one of the biggest benefits of putting together a knowledge retention program is not only that you capture knowledge, but that you nurture a culture while you're preparing the organization for people to leave. So, for example, if, you're, if your program consists of holding an after-action review after a big project, Sure. And these reviews bring everyone together, and you document what went right and what could have been better. And then you, you know, you have someone there logging things, and you finish the meeting, and you have this document that people can refer to later, or however you decide to um, capture it, whether it's on, you know, it's through emails or however you decide to document what people said. You send a message to your team that you value the time that everybody spends together sharing what they know, sharing what they learn, and speaking openly. And so that I think that that's a big benefit to uh, the, the program. It's Yes, you're capturing knowledge. Some ex more experienced folks may be speaking about something that came out of 
the project, but you're also sending this message that you that you want to have a knowledge culture so that everybody has an opportunity to share what they know. And so if you plan your program right, what we what we shared in in the book was that knowledge retention becomes part of how your business works. I mean, that's just how you do business. When you have a project that is significant, for example, everyone comes together afterwards to talk about it and get out on the table what they learned or what could have been better. And the idea is that you prepare for the day that long-time workers will leave because you've documented what they know, but you're also encouraging people to share. And, you know, boomers aren't the only workers that have a lot of valuable knowledge, and they aren't the only people who leave. Uh, every, every person in your organization could be called away to another job. They could be um, moved in the organization. Something could change. And so, in essence, by creating this, this program, you're capturing everybody's knowledge while also capturing long-time workers' knowledge. And so that's, the, that's really the, the benefit, one of the main benefits that we see. And I can see how that can be so substantial when essentially you can help eliminate people having to learn through their own mistakes every time. And, and you can <laughs> cut down on those mistakes because you can learn from other folks' mistakes. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what I hope people don't miss is you can also learn everybody else's best practices. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not just about mistake avoidance, but actually about efficiency gains. You know, there's a lot of redundancy and uh, wheel spinning when people leave and take with them what they know, mm-hmm. and the people that follow have to sort of recreate and try to recover all of that knowledge, mm-hmm. and it's uh, just leads to a lot of inefficiency and 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 wheel spinning. So uh, there there are some some very tangible. Uh, benefits to uh, and and I think one of the other as I'm thinking of it Nathan I think one of the other ancillary benefits of of doing knowledge retention (coughs) is that because you're valuing that employee who knows by eliciting from them what they know you're you're putting in place I think a a good opportunity for leaving the door open (coughs) excuse me for that that employee to come back at some point, and I think we're going to see that as a trend in the next 10 years. I think you're going to see boomers that are going to get tired of, of golfing seven days a week, and they're going to say, I want to get back in the game. And uh, I think this is a terrific way to leave that door open because you uh, have expressed how, how it is that you value that employee, and uh, you give them a, an, a lot easier opportunity to say, darn it, I'd like to come back in at least on a flexible schedule. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Ken Ball and Gina Gottsell for being with us today and sharing their insights on how to effectively capture and transfer baby boomer knowledge to incoming Gen X and Y employees. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. 
you can find more information about Ken Ball and Gina Gatzel and Surviving the Baby Boomer Exodus at www.survivingthebabyboomerexodus.com. Until next time, so long.